Atlas Copco, we strive to be the most attractive industrial company in our target markets. Our strong culture of innovation is a result of having great people on board, committed and encouraged to grow and reach their full potential. With the belief that passionate people makes the difference, we are exploring a new channel to deep dive into topics within people management. We call it the People Podcast. For those of you who listened to our first episode, welcome back. We have decided to podcast on a quarterly basis, and the program today is our second release. I'm Cecilia Sandberg, Head of HR for the Atlas Copco Group, and with me I have Dorna Eriksson Shafi, VP Talentment for the group. Our topic today will be well-being and how the COVID-19 crisis affects the human body and mind. We will talk about how to cope with loneliness and anxiety that may come as a result of this crisis and discuss what we all can do practically as individuals and as leaders to build resilience and support our teams in times of distress. Please join us. So, Dorna, most welcome. Thank you, Cecilia. So, right now, many of us are juggling working in a new environment, becoming a teacher for our kids, caring for our family full-time, and dealing with the anxiety that comes from living in the middle of a pandemic. I think we're all feeling pretty stressed. Self-care is crucial for managing these negative emotions and being resilient. In today's discussion, we will give our listeners some insights into what is likely to happen as a consequence of COVID-19 from a wellness and well-being perspective and the science that underpins this. We will also talk about what we practically can do as individuals and as leaders to make this a better experience for ourselves and those that surround us. So, Dorna, let's start with a deep dive into science, right? Uh, how is this crisis likely to impact our body and mind? Sounds good. Yeah, and of course, a, a very interesting question with lots of research done in this area from the fields of crisis management, disaster management and stress management. And there is an interesting meta study done by Math from 2015, explaining the different stages of a crisis and how the stages affect both the body and the mind in very different ways. Well, that sounds like a great starting point. What did the study conclude? So the study confirmed that what you see in the early stages of a disaster or a crisis is actually a degree of increased energy. So people become heroic. They want to help where they can and they want to lean in to support. And during this period of acute stress, you get a great amount of unity, people coming together. When then starts to happen, when we go from weeks to months in this situation, is that we see adaptation. So the novelty starts to wear off and people are trying to do their best to make things work. So you get some tempered optimism and determination and you can see that energy begins to diminish. What then happens is that people start to feel this is impossible. It feels never-ending and there's a risk at this point as individuals start to either give up, saying, you know, I can't do this anymore, or alternatively burnout where people persist but end up feeling helpless and can't really take any action. Mm, that's very interesting. So why do we react like this as humans? Yeah, great question. I mean, now there are several reasons for why this happens. Uh, first of all, the study points out the shift from acute to chronic stress. And then secondly, the, the challenge of balancing the intensified pressure from work versus pressure from home. 
Uh, and then thirdly, we have the so-called compassion fatigue, characterized by emotional and, and physical exhaustion, leading to a weakened ability to feel compassion for others. So this is often described as the negative cost of caring too much for, for too long. The outcome of all three of these situations can be emotions of fear, anger, and increased anxiety, as well as grief. So there's actually two types of grief that is mentioned here. One is the grief over missing out on the life that could have been, so making progress in what was imagined to be a positive and exciting year. And then there is, of course, uh, the grief and tragedy of actually losing a loved one. Now, hopefully, we will come to the stage of, of the resumption of pre-crisis energy that naturally follows as the final stage. Well, that is hopeful news. Well, now I'm curious about the difference between acute and chronic stress that you mentioned. Can we share a bit more on what research has to say in this area, Dorna? Sure. Uh, so the research from Yari Begi from 2017 is actually very helpful in differentiating acute stress from chronic stress and also helps explain the impact that these conditions have on our body and mind. So acute stress is short-term and sharp. Uh, chronic stress is, is longer-term and much more constant over time. As humans, we respond quite differently to these contexts, so the social effects are also quite different. In acute stress, we focus on supporting and getting support from others, whereas in chronic stress, we become much more egocentric and we tend to focus more on ourselves uh, and our own survival. Our immune system actually also responds very differently. With acute stress, our immune system is boosted to deal with that short, short sharp shock. Uh, and for chronic stress, uh, autoimmune disorders such as stomach pain or cardiovascular issues such as high blood pressure can instead uh, happen. And finally, from a cognitive perspective, the way we think is also impacted. So with acute stress, we, f we have that instant flight or fight reaction kicking in. But for chronic stress, what happens is that we are more prone to our going over negative events in our mind over and over again. So playing out negative what-if scenarios in an unhelpful way that leads to possible mental health issues such as depression. Thanks for sharing, Dorna. Great insights. We typically talk about stress as one sort of condition or perhaps positive versus negative stress. I think what you just described actually adds another layer of understanding to the human reaction to stress. There is another study that we want to touch upon done by Amabile and Kramer in 2010. This study reveals some of the fundamental building blocks for feeling good about oneself that I think we find very interesting. In this study, people were asked to keep a diary, ending up in more than 12,000 diary entries being collected and then categorized in different buckets. And the different buckets were important work, collaboration, interpersonal support, here then defined as showing empathy and care for others, instrumental support, here defined as lending someone a hand, and then progress. And the question asked was, were you having a best day or a worst day? And the researchers found that the criteria most crucial for having a best day for people was when they were feeling a sense of progress. So the conclusion here is that making progress, moving things forward, is actually fundamental to make us feel positive and good about ourselves and life in general. 
Yeah, I mean, what a, what a strong message. I think this actually resonates very well with some of the core principles of positive psychology. And I believe stressing the fact that we all have the power to choose how we see the world is important here as well. I mean, there is a fundamental underlying issue with well-being, which is about how we choose to interpret events in life and how we deal with our own self-talk. I think that's very true, and I think it differs a lot from person to person how you tackle it. However, I do believe it relates back to the research we just talked about. If we see the way, we have the will. So Dorna, should we take a final detail into research to better understand the psychology behind coping in times of crisis? Sure. Uh, there is actually one more very interesting study done on social support by Semmer from 2008 that I think is worth mentioning here as well. So Semmer talks about instrumental support versus interpersonal support given to others and what is most needed in different contexts. And as mentioned earlier, instrumental support is when we help someone out with a concrete solution. So we provide a specific service, for example. Uh, interpersonal support is providing that empathy, trust, and care for others. And what is interesting about social support in these circumstances is that most of the time we prefer instrumental support, right? So can you actually help me out here type of support? But when we are in a period of high stress, that chronic stress, sometimes that instrumental support provided actually backfires as people can feel inferior or marginalized as you're trying to help them out. So instead, interpersonal support, that personal connection, having their feelings validated, acts in a way that supports people in moving out of stress and anxiety. Mm. Okay, so let us summarize what are the lessons learned here. I mean, what can leaders do to help make the current situation we find ourselves in more bearable and positive for their team members? Yeah, I think the first question you would need to ask yourself as a leader is, do I understand the strain and the challenge my individual team members are going through? I mean, giving your team members a reason to believe there is an end in sight is very important. And if we believe strongly in our long-term objectives, we are also more likely to retain the willpower to actually get there. Another question worth asking yourself as a leader is, do I coach my people for mental strength? What people really need right now is, is that emotional support, why leaders need to support with both empathy and compassion, asking people how they are and, and really take the time to listen. And there's, of course, also practical support needed, uh, which is aligning on what is needed and by when, so more from a task and process perspective. Many of us are, are literally in isolation right now, so it is incredibly important for leaders to be clear to their teams on where to go for support, where to go for advice and decisions, and of course also to watch out for exclusion and make sure that everyone feels included in the very best possible way. I fully agree, and I think the question all of us should ask ourselves is how we are building our own mental health. Re-establishing a sense of control can be a good start. I believe freeing up your mind by building habits and effortless routines can help with that. Creating structure and a daily schedule could be a good starting point. 
Mm, no, I, I fully agree. And I think it starts with looking after your physical and your mental well-being and continuing with your current self-care practices, since it is, of course, usually easier to stick to existing habits. That said, many of us will have to adapt and, and discover new habits as well. That's very true. I think if you're stuck at home for a few weeks, simple things such as taking care of your body by eating healthy, exercising and getting plenty of sleep is, of course, fundamental. But what about social connections? I mean, for introverts and extroverts alike, the activities that are most important for promoting our well-being are inherently social, which can make this period when we're all encouraged to be physically distant from our loved ones particularly difficult. I'm thinking it is even more important to maintain our social connections using the technology to help us stay psychologically close. What are your thoughts here, Donna? Mm, absolutely. I mean, we should use the many different modes of communication that we have at our fingertips. So voice calls, text, social media, video specifically can make us feel closer. And I know you always ask us to put our videos on during team calls and, mm. and wave at each other. I think this is, you know, it's a simple yet important way of incorporating that human touch into technology. I'm glad you see it that way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Another angle to this is, of course, that interactions will not come up as natural during this period. We need to be more intentional about scheduling time to speak with friends and family. I truly believe that these conversations are important opportunities to relieve stress by sharing feelings with others. Yeah, and I've seen actually many local initiatives across the group in this regard. So we see virtual quizzes, so virtual afterworks, virtual fikas, virtual game nights, you name it. We certainly have a lot of creative colleagues out there. Yeah, for sure. That's very true. I think that's the core spirit in our passionate people that we love, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what if these guidelines around maintaining your well-being is not enough for some of us out there? As you referenced from the research earlier, Dorna, I think during times such as these, it is completely normal to experience elevated levels of stress along with other negative emotions such as sadness, anxiety, anger and frustration. And if these persist or worsen and become to cause significant distress or dysfunction, you really need to seek additional help. Yeah, and, and more specific warning signs to look out for both in, in yourself and in people around you could be that persistent anxiety or worry or even insomnia and withdrawing from appropriate social contacts or persistently checking for symptoms or seeking reassurance about one's health are signs of more severe distress that need professional support. Mm. So we're getting closer to the end, and we started out asking ourselves, how does the COVID-19 crisis affect the human body and mind? And how do we cope with loneliness and anxiety that may come as a result of this crisis? And finally, what can we do practically as individuals and as leaders to build resilience and support to our teams in these times of distress? How should we summarize our discussion, Dorna? Well, I think no matter what your unique situation is, there are many things you can do to improve your experience while being socially isolated. And fortunately, you're not in this alone. We're all in it together. So focusing on what you're grateful for, like spending time with family or getting to try a new hobby can help ease the pain and frustration that we are, you know, we may be feeling. 
And we need to stay aware of what makes us happy and, and brings joy to our daily life. And finally, a cliche, but we need to be kind to one another. So true. Well said, Dorna. And surrounding ourselves with people who can act as our sounding board and that will challenge and inspire us, I think is more important than ever in these times. None of us are superheroes. We can't do this alone. So thank you so much, Dorna, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. And to our listeners out there, thanks for joining us. Stay healthy and safe. <laughs>